Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really... I am the number one student, so get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Davis Mutabo here. Super excited to bring you today's future guest, Mr. Bumi Ajayi. Bumi, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? Oh uh, yes, thank you, Davis. Uh, it's a treat to uh, to be on your show, and uh, yeah, I just want to also congratulate you on this uh, new initiative of uh, uh, the business podcast. And uh, yeah, it's, um, looking forward to our time together today. Bruni is the founder and CEO of Megalines Insurance. He's an award-winning insurance expert, a speaker, and a leadership coach. Bumi, before we talk business, perhaps just take 30 seconds to tell us who is Bumi Jai, a little bit about your non-business personal background, maybe. I was uh, born a few, uh, say, a few years ago. Uh, migrated from Nigeria, got into uh, Australia in 1999, so uh, some 16, 17 years ago. I've always been um, in insurance, uh, but um, when I got here, I needed to do a bit of the training, which I did uh, in the first few five years of my sojourn here in Australia. I'm a family man, I'm married with uh, my sweetheart uh, lover, uh, which is Temi Ajayi. I've got three kids, and uh, all of my kids share the same birthday, and they're not triplets, so you can work that out. <laughs> Amazing. Bumi, thank you for sharing that. Uh, the first thing I wanted us to chat about is very quickly, how long have you been in business? I've been in business now collectively uh, about 15 years, um, eight years here in Australia and seven years prior to uh, in overseas. And um, I, it's something I am passionate about. Uh, and something I really um, love to see uh, in terms of the outcome that uh, being in business allows you to achieve. I see myself uh, as a serial entrepreneur, if you like, because there have been a few aspects to our entrepreneurship, which is not just uh, insurance, there's a few other things I've done, but that insurance actually rings true louder than the most of them. But uh, entrepreneurship is something that uh, kind of uh, fascinates me. Right. Now, tell us, Bumi, when it comes to generating revenue or revenue streams, are you primarily focused on insurance? And what sort of other streams of income have you got currently? 
Insurance is, is my main forte. I uh, did study insurance and actuarial science in the university, and uh, I've always worked when it comes to my um, day profession. It's always been in insurance uh, for the last 27, 28 years since leaving the university. But having said that, when it comes to um, making something out of barely nothing and, and just uh, the spirit of entrepreneurship, of uh, multiplication and being fruitful from a, um, a business point of view, there's been a few forays into other lines. Uh, at the moment, uh, I've got about four or five business ventures going on. Uh, some are non-for-profit, uh, which I do for community um, advancement. Uh, but I think about four of them, three or four of them, actually have some um, income generation streams to it. I do run a business mentorship and coaching. Um, I'm one of the, the John Mac- Maxwell team certified uh, coaches and uh, mentors. I do that by the side. I also have a service office apartment, which is a business hub. I like to look at it as an incubation unit whereby um, small startup businesses can, can move out from working from home, cut their teeth in the business world in terms of having the exposure and being amongst other business owners who are just um, driving without the expenses that goes with uh, having to rent your own building and hire receptionists and everything. So I have that. And of course, I have my insurance broken business. Also, my wife and I were into a registered training organization. So lots of things going. Tell us a little bit more about how your uh, insurance brokerage business works, just um, high level. Insurance brokerage, really, a lot of people have uh, a fair bit of misunderstanding about it. People think, uh, the other day I ran into a friend of mine who said to me, oh, you know, I know your face, uh, you know, your face keeps coming up every time and again. And uh I said to you about insurance, you're, you're the guy that, uh, that sells insurance. And I said, no, I don't sell insurance. Actually, that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> and he was, he was taking aback. He was like, aren't you an insurance broker? I said, yes, insurance brokers don't sell insurance. And he said, what do I mean? So I, I needed to sort of clarify that insurance brokers, what we do, we buy insurance on behalf of our clients. And there's a big difference. So it's the insurance company that sells insurance. The products are those of the insurance company. But we are intermediaries. We are a conduit part, if you like, standing between the insuring public, which we call the insured, and the insurance companies who have the products and the services. So if you like to picture it, it's like we are lawyers uh, that represent and advocate for our clients. So we help our clients to secure the right cover at the right price and uh, we also were there for them every step of the way from courts to claim and uh, just to make sure that their insurance uh, experience is one that they can uh, have a peace of mind on. So that's basically in a nutshell what I do as an insurance broker. Uh, I'm a professional. I don't represent the insurance companies. I represent the clients. And uh, so I buy insurance on behalf of my clients in a way that they get the right cover at the right price. And my slogan, or if you like, one of uh, the things I'd love to say in my business is, uh, you know, you need to be covered and just insured. Yes, I've seen that on your on your marketing material. Now, we're going to dig a little bit more into um, your business model and um, your journey here, but I want to just go at the top of the journey as an entrepreneur. How did this happen for you? Because I know there's a lot of people who are in the corporate world, and I believe that's potentially where you 
your journey might have started, how, how do you find yourself as a full-time entrepreneur working in your own business? It is a, a journey and it's not an event. It's obviously a process. I believe everybody can at some point venture and follow into the business world. Even if you're an employee, there's where you can sort of structure whether you can have something by the side to earn you a measure of uh, income, you know, commission. That could be a good start. And then after a while, you might find that uh, there's a knack for you there and uh, you might just begin to increase and accelerate a little bit more on the other side than you are in your paid employment and then you can, uh, with time, just move full-time. For me, um, it was something I had um, back back in Africa, in Nigeria, when I finished my university, I got a job with an insurance company uh, and then I worked there for about a couple of years. And just per, per adventure, as, or as fate would have it, I uh, I ran into a man who was in the government at the time, was uh, one of the ministers in Nigeria, and uh, he was looking to set up an insurance broking firm. At that time, I was an employee with an insurance company. I wasn't right yet, I thought, in terms of uh, the experience to go and start something. And here was a man, he was in government, he didn't have the insurance knowledge, uh, and back then, for you to, to start up an insurance uh, business, you needed to, it's not so much enough for you to have uh, the connections, you also needed to have someone who is a professional who's got the qualifications and the license to be able to practice. So um, so we got talking and uh, he, you know, sort of revealed his, uh, his intentions and I, I said, look, I actually have the qualifications required. And, and of course, I didn't tell him I didn't have enough experience. So he wanted to hire me to, to work for him. Uh, why he just brings the leads because he had the connections in high places. But at that point, I saw that there was an opportunity there and I sort of latched onto that to say, look, I don't want to be an employee. I would rather have a stake in that. And that was the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey because I ended up having about uh, 30% stake in the business from day one. And uh, so we went into a partnership. He brought the bulk of the leads initially. And then I ran the company, and after a while, I, because of the level of uh, professionalism and services, we began to uh, generate businesses. So it was a huge learning experience for me, and I ran that for about five or so years before migrating to Australia. So when I got here, of course, the culture is different. Uh, the principles of insurance are the same thing everywhere in the world, but the practicalities of it differs because you have different legislative requirements. And then at that time, it was just about three or four years since the internet uh, came on board. We're talking of 1999. Our internet came on board, I think, about 1996. So we'll find that the way business was being done here had been moving towards the digital and technological stage, which we didn't have back in Nigeria. So it was a huge shock for me. But I needed to, to learn all the ropes. So I started working with the likes of Allianz, QB, Vero, the big names then. And uh, to cut my teeth in this environment, and I did all the professional examinations and this due to the fellowship level. I did my masters and all of that. So just to make sure that uh, I position myself to be opportunity ready, because it's one thing to desire to be in a place, but if you're not uh, prepared, then it, it's very hard for you to capitalize to capitalize on opportunities when they do present themselves. Having done that for a few years, I both companies and then I went to work for a couple of uh, insurance broking firms. At the time, I made the switch from insurance company to insurance um, 
Brooklyn firm, I'd already was nursing the idea because I felt, well, if I could run a company for five years, which was still going on even by the time I left Nigeria, successfully, I reckon I could do the same thing here, even though um, the uh, the realities are different and uh, it's a different um, environment here. Um, not many people um, of my status, being migrants and the level of experience, I didn't really school here and everything. That was, but I didn't allow that to stop me. I just said, well, if anybody could do it, I could do it. And uh, I think the person that really fails is somebody who never tried, not someone who tries and uh, doesn't win. So after working for my second insurance broking firm, I just took the, uh, I took the bold step to, because I had an idea of what I could do. And I stepped out from nothing. Um, and then I started uh, from home. And it was, uh, obviously, it was a uh, challenging period, but I knew the worst case scenario was I would go back and get a job. And my boss at the time actually assured me that uh, my table will always be there if I choose to ever come back. Uh, I did thank him. I appreciated him. But one thing I'd always known about second, about backup plans is always that they could be, or plan B is if you like, uh, they could be a distraction. So he actually offered me at the time to work two or three days. Uh, in his company while I built my business and um, I thanked him for it. I took that opportunity on for a while but after about two months or two and a half months I had to tell him, look, I know it's a good thing. It assures me a steady income stream but it also, I don't feel ethically right because I find myself uh, on the days that I'm still working for him having to receive calls from some of my new prospects. And I didn't feel that there was a conflict there. I just didn't feel right about it. And I knew I was going to be losing money. <laughs> but I would rather face head on what I've uh, chosen to be my, my future and see what I can make of it uh, without um, compromising that opportunity by not having enough time to follow new clients. So I uh, sort of quit and uh, focus 100% on the new baby or the new business. And uh, one thing led to the other. And uh, as they say, you know, uh, we're here uh, eight years after. Well, so that that was a very bold step. But I want you to share with us how you acquired your very first client once you went full time. Just you know, take us to that story, and you know, that could be the inspiration just for somebody out there who's listening to the show today. Okay, that's a that's a good one. I think I still remember that vividly how my first client came up. Yeah, because what is it? when I opened the doors, or if you like, uh, it was just the doors to my study at home. There was nothing really different about it. And uh, it felt very funny because all I had was a laptop, uh, a big dream, and uh, and just a, a future, a plain future right ahead of me that I needed to write something on. And it was up to me to make or break or whatever I made of it was just going to be my story. So. Um, I needed to, I, it was in the days where you had uh, yellow pages, you know, which was still, yeah, so we had this, like, so what I did was I took the yellow pages and I was making phone calls. One of the first things I did was to position myself to say, okay, do I want to start this business right in the CDD where I'd worked for many years and which obviously was a little crowded, or do I need to position myself in a place where uh, there's more opportunities for me to be visible, 
uh, more, more visible and I opted to, uh, to position the business close to home. I started from home and I knew if I was going to actually move away from home, I wasn't going to go into the CBD because I looked at the, uh, the demographics and the, the business environment in uh, where I was living. There was a huge scope there. I was only about a couple of insurance brokers there. And I thought if I'm the third, there's still enough room and businesses to go around. So I settled on that. So I isolated um, the businesses in the area. I had a niche. I determined I was going to go after business, small to medium-sized businesses. I wasn't going to start by focusing on the, the moms and dads uh, in terms of home and content, insurance, and single individuals because as good as those could be, but for a new startup like myself, I was hungry and there was no income. And uh, I needed to make sure that if I was spending my time on something, there was something that would be worth the while. So I went for businesses. And hence the name Mega Lines, because Mega means the big ones. So we go for the big lines of insurance, because in insurance parlance, we refer to the classes of businesses as lines of businesses. So that's how the name came about. So, so I determined I was going to have a niche. I wasn't going to be all things to all people. I was just going to say, fine, we only deal with business insurance. And that was what I did. So I focused on that. I took the yellow pages and I began to make phone calls. You know, my phone bills went through the roof at home, but that was just the price you had to pay. I was lucky. Of course, I had a wife who was very supportive. Uh, she just said, well, this is what you wanted to do. I'm going to be with you all the way. She was working and uh, we lived on that income for a while. So it was out of making cold calls and um, sometimes I go do um, letter drops to businesses. Of course, you get a lot of rejection. Some people look at you and they bang it down. You, the phones, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. I've just renewed my policy. Come next year. All of that questions was going. And, you know, one month when there was nothing, second month, it was almost like, I think it was into the third month that uh, this guy who had a crane, He's a crane. His name is uh, Thomas Alcock. I still have him even as we speak on my client's list. He just, uh, it was a phone call. He lives on the other side of the, of the city, as a matter of fact. He wasn't even in the West. He just decided, said, okay, let me give you, it was timely because at that time he was in the market shopping for a new cover because he's uh, insured that increases premium significantly. And, um, you know, to, to uh, long story short, I was able to help him out. And I went over to, to see him which was one of the um, the unique sales proposition. I said, look, I'll come to you, and uh, we're going to be personable, personable. We're going to explain what it is you have been covered for, because most people these days, uh, they just take up uh, an insurance policy off the shelf without really knowing what it is. Covers all the, the small prints and all of that. So I determined I was going to be different, because if people are going to use my services up out of all the options they have, there's got to be something going for them. So I determined I needed to have a unique sales proposition and a value proposition that was over and above what uh, you know we were used to customary in the in the broken field, and that was what I did. And it was that one client that I had that sort of uh, opened the door for a whole lot more. Because from there he just spread the word to a couple of his friends. He said, "Look, I think I was able to save him money, and apart from the money I saved him, the fact that I was there for him, I made it very very painless exercise. I you know went delivered the the documentations and everything, and uh, he just said, this is good. And one thing that led to the other, he referred me, and then I joined some um, groups. I joined the BNI shortly after that, 
and um, and that was the thing. And in my second year, I did apply for the Castles uh, Business Awards. Then I was just, you know, I wasn't, that was my second year of trading, but I just thought, look, let me give it a shot. And I made a finalist in that year. And then that gave me an exposure. It put me on the map and people began to take notice. I did a few other things. For instance, I did some brochures, which I had to be creative about. I had a couple of them, um, which uh, I hadn't seen anyone do that before then. One was a 3D, a, pen, a pencil. I sharpened a pencil and I attached it to the car and I said, look, uh, we have, uh, we have now sharpened our pencils to lock you uh, to give you great savings on your next insurance needs. Put it on the card, real pencil, and uh, I posted it to some businesses. And I did another one. I bought some padlocks, uh, which I locked with the keys in there. Uh, and I, I, I sort of um, sort of glued it to a card, which I you know, put my logo, and I said, look, now Megaland is here to lock you great savings on your insurance program. Stuff like that. So people get this in the post and one, some people will laugh, some people think this is very creative, some people think this is stupid. But all of that, uh, I think I got a couple of uh, business out of that as well. Out of the curiosity to see who is this guy, you know. So I was everywhere you could find me. I joined all the networking groups in the area uh, that I called. I wasn't relenting. And one thing led to the other, words of mouth and uh, just the existing clients, and, and, and that was it. It wasn't the magic, it was just sheer hard work, sheer relentlessness, and uh, just the ability to believe in a dream and just pursue it. Wow, thank you for sharing that. That's, uh, that's quite amazing, and I, I know you've um, talked on this before a while ago, but I, uh, I always love hearing, hearing the detail of that uh, journey again. Uh, now, Bumi, you've obviously shared that you you went hard, essentially, at cold, cold calling and emailing out cold emails, etc. But then you also worked really hard at networking. I'm interested to know how are you generating leads and new business today? Today, the strategy uh, the strategy is a little bit different uh, because now we have some capital behind us uh, and we've. Um, gone past the initial stages of uh, being out there and chasing every business. Now we, we've established uh, uh, a couple of schemes. Uh, when I say schemes, I mean niche markets where I've personally developed uh, specific bespoke products to some industries. Uh, for instance, we we are the first in Australia to develop a unique product for the family daycare industry and uh, still the, the, one of the two insurance brokers Australian-wide to be doing very well in that space. Uh, the only one who have actually we've gone ahead and we put it online. So if you go on the web, uh, the Megalines website as we speak, there is a, a tab there for Medicaid and you can just uh, either you are an educator or coordinator, uh, you can go on there and get a quote. Uh, very price competitive. We believe we have the best product as well. And uh, our services are, you know, um, some of the best you can. We have dedicated staff that, uh, you, you know, pick up your, your, your call on, on, on the range of one or two and uh, they're there just to, uh, to give you a very good experience uh, in dealing with your, your insurance needs and should you ever have a claim all you need to do is to just get um, get across to us and we've actually made that easier that you, not only do you have to go on our website we actually have a Megaline app which was actually one of the first uh, brokers Australia wide to have an app of our own where you can actually get a quote and do all uh, the things you could normally do on the website. 
We have um, jingles. We we now uh, um, two radio stations on uh, Light FM and ninety six point three, where we have Megalens advertisements. We have uh, um, with one um, back to back the Wyndham Business Awards, and, um, and two years in a row as well, I was nominated finalist in the Business Person of the Year. And more importantly for my career, uh, which I refer to as the Grand Slam of the Insurance Industry was the, uh, the National Awards, the Business Broker of the Year in Australia, which I won, uh, which I'm the current um, uh, recipient of that for 2015-2016. Uh, that was the highlight of it. So all of that exposure has meant that, uh, you know, the brand awareness has, uh, has been continuously maintained and created, but it's not enough to have all these uh, accolades if you're not delivering the service. I think one of our greatest business generating uh, aspect will have to be the quality of our services, uh, the fact that we, we deliver on our promises, we're to time, we're personable, uh, we listen, we understand, and uh, we, we literally, we're authentic and we care about our clients first. So by the time we do that, obviously, uh, the clients become the evangelists that we need and uh, they spread the word. And uh, now we begin to get, even our phones do, begin to ring and people are calling, oh, I got your number from XYZ or someone who's used to services have introduced you to, uh, to me. So that's the, now we don't do a whole lot of, uh, door to door or cold calling anymore. We're just there. We've got the client, uh, base now to work with. We have organic growth as well. And, uh, we're just making sure that, uh, our current clients are, are very satisfied. We actually don't have a whole lot of turnover in clients. And then also the new business keep coming. We still belong to a few networking groups just because you want to uh, continue to be relevant in the community and get back. And also, uh, I love the, the camaraderie that exists among some of those uh, networking groups and uh, just a source of continuing to keeping, uh, to keep ourselves uh, up there uh, on the map as well. So those are some of the avenues that we now uh, get our business coming through. Which is, if you if you look at it, it's a bit different from how we started. How how would you um, coach somebody who's thinking, "Wow, I want to find a way to maybe um, tap into the award systems that are around in my industry or in my field?" Because you know that seems to have helped you at different stages of your business. Um, how would you advise somebody to go around that? Yeah, it's a good thing because it, the first thing is you've got to believe in yourself. Uh, you gotta do your research, you gotta be opportunity ready. Almost every industry would have a way of uh, rewarding and recognizing those who stand out above the rest in their industry. Uh, some people might be complacent to, to say, look, I'm just gonna be doing well and it doesn't really matter who really cares. But it's not about, you know, uh, finding your own embers, it's just about putting yourself out there. After all, uh, it was actually, uh, for the insurance broking process, it was an, uh, independent nomination. I didn't nominate myself for that. Uh, for the Wyndham Business Awards, uh, there's a, a, a call for interest, and then I put my hand up to say, look, fine. And then you now have to write a submission and uh, give reasons why you deserve to be that. And then if you get chosen, fine. If you don't, uh, it's, uh, it's not uh, the end of the world as well. But the other one was independently nominated, which is good. So, but I would encourage everyone in whichever profession you find yourself to, the first thing is to be to strive to be the best that you can uh, in that field, just um, seek whatever it takes to be on top of your game. 
And then wherever there's opportunities uh, for you to be relevant or to showcase what you've got, never hesitate to do that. It's not a case of uh, uh, jumping the gun. It's just saying, look, I'm here. I believe I can do this. And, um, you know, let people see what you've got to offer. And that has really helped me. And uh, each time, uh, I've not always won all the time, but each time it's been an opportunity for me to learn as well, to see what areas I could improve on. And uh, it keeps getting better. So uh, one failure is just one less way of doing the thing. And that's been one of the learning process. But to just sit back and do nothing and just uh, be in your little, uh, you know, space, I don't think is the way to really um, go to that next level. You need to step out. You know, that is step up. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, um, what I love, what Bumi is sharing with us here is um, he has evolved his strategy, his marketing strategy at and at the core of that strategy has been um, building credibility and having that recognition um, in society because whether we like it or not, people want to trust us and they want to like us before they do business with us. And this is uh, a way of ensuring that people can, can see that you're recognized by authorities in your industry. So definitely get out there and look at ways that you can uh, find that recognition, whether it's through qualifications or awards. I think it's a, it's a great platform. Now, Bumi, I want to just um, touch on fear of failure. This seems to hold a lot of people who are at their heart of hearts entrepreneurs, but you know they might be stuck in a job or in a corporate environment because they they fear that those couple of months that you went through of no income, cold calling, cold emails. What, what what's your advice, and how do you coach somebody in that position? Yeah, what, what I'll start by saying is that people need to know that um, every failure is a part of success. And we should look at failure as never a full stop, but always a comma. So it's just an opportunity for you to uh, start up again and do things more intelligently. So there's always something you can glean from any uh, type of failure, something you can learn from it, and um, you can actually fail forward as a matter of fact. So, um, you're right, the fear of failure, uh, keeps a lot of people from stepping out, from doing things, from following their dreams. But, uh, the way I've had to approach it was to say that, okay, let's assume I cannot fail. Let's assume that I cannot fail. Uh, what will I be doing? And then I list them, okay, I'll be doing this, I'll step out and do. Then, what I will now ask myself is, okay, I look at all the people who have ever succeeded. You know, just name them. Is it Abraham Lincoln? Is it Steve Jobs? Just name them. Is it uh, Bill Gates? And look at their story because one of the things I love to do is to read biographies. And you find that nobody ever succeeded without first having failed in one thing or the other, if you look at them. So I find that, that it's not the person that tries that actually fails. It's the person that never tried at all. Because in that case, you, you succeed 100% of the time. You know, at, at, at nothing. So we should not, my, my, uh, my advice to those who are willing to step out is, first of all, you've got to be prepared. It's not something you just do, um, blindly. You've got to be, um, uh, opportunity ready, like I did mention before. Do whatever you need to do. You have to self-develop yourself. And then having done all that, then stepping into the future, it's something that it's not going to be 100% of your control. But nonetheless, you still have to face it. And um, I think the best way to eliminate fear is actually to face it. 
And you find that uh, more often than not, what we think is uh, that fear of failure, it's not even there. It's uh, it's, it's it's more um, apparent than it is real. You know, uh, it's just uh, something that you know uh, tries to keep us, to captivate us, to sort of put up in a bit of a box. But we need to get out of that. And once you can step out and do something, all you need is a first win. Once you have your first win, that opens the door for a lot more confidence a lot more proactivity and a lot more believing what you are capable of doing. Since you, since you launched your, your business here in, in, um, in the last eight years, what would you grab as a key moment where you felt like things had fallen apart and you were ready to give up? Could you share a story um, where you felt that was the deepest moment? Yeah, it would have to be in the first couple of years. Um, statistics show that... Um, most small businesses that start up here in Australia end up, um, you know, winding up within the first few months, if you like. You know, if you're able to to last your one year, you're very fortunate, and two years, then you have a good chance of, uh, of, of, of keeping on. But usually in six months or within a year, you find some of them um, packing up. But it's really not the best um, mentality because it takes, I think, a lot of people look at business as something. It's 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 very rewarding, but it's not uh it's not so much a walk in the park. There's a whole lot of work that needs to be done. But you ask, but it's very doable, and you gotta believe uh in that. So for me, it will have to be in the first two years. Like I said, it was very rough. I started from nothing. Uh, a lot of people start by buying a book or buying a simple. I didn't have to do that. Um, I didn't want to do that as a matter of fact because I felt okay. It's always good to know my clients, to start with them, and uh, just do the journey with them. So uh, in the first two years, it was tough, um, uh, you know, and uh, it got to a point that uh, after, I think, about 14 months, I was like, you know, things went in as I, I thought. I'd made some projections and budgeting uh, to say, okay, within the first one year, I should be on this level of income, but that wasn't the case. And I thought, look, what do I do? I was making some, some grants, some English, but it wasn't to the level that I thought. And at that point, I'd almost exhausted all I knew to do in terms of, okay, you know, all I needed to do to get the business. But, uh, and then I just had to just keep doing what I was doing. I just, it was just a matter of repetition and keep doing what I was doing. I had a choice at that time to call it quits and then go back and get a job and then say, well, at least I tried, but you know, something in me just kept saying you could, you just got to keep going on. And I continued to do uh, what I'd always done. Uh, I didn't change anything. And uh, one thing led to the other. And then the breakthrough came maybe just on the, on the verge of my year two when um, I was able to um, get a couple of uh, big clients. And that just uh, opened a lot of doors for me. So once you can get some clients, you know, it takes uh, similar levels of uh, of uh, high network individuals to to sort of um, you know be in the same company, so you begin to ask, seek actively referrals from some of those, and uh, one thing led to the other, and that was it. After two years, I was able to move out of home, and I got um, an office, a service office, and then you know I had to employ staff, and that took me to another level still because then I didn't have to do everything and all the photocopying for myself. I had someone to do all my admin, then I could go out a little bit more and uh, look after some of my existing clients and uh, also a prospect for other new ones. So I would say one of the toughest times which I actually uh, considered 
but of course, I didn't take that uh, consideration. But it crossed my mind, and I quickly just dismissed it to say, "Look, do I go back and get a job?" Because things things seem to be happening. So my advice is that I think the the point of one's breakthrough always comes at the verge or just after your lowest point. That's been my experience for me. So when things seem to be rough and tough and just going downside, that's when you must not give up because just on the verge of that, I believe is when the victory is going to come. That's fantastic. I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, and these these might be a few quick questions for you. How do you rank, if at all, any of the following: faith, fun, family, finances, friendships? How oh, that's a good one. I would think for me. Uh, my faith comes first, uh, followed by my family, and then I would uh, put finance next, and uh, friendship, or maybe finance and friendship, I can interchange those, and then uh, fun will be the last one. Now, 30 seconds to let us know how a day in your life looked like when you started your business versus a day in your life today? Uh, the difference for me would be that of choice. A day in my life when I started my business, uh, the choice was set for me. I didn't have much to do other than to follow, okay, I needed to do this. Uh, I needed to make the phone calls. I didn't have much choice in it. But a day in my life today is full of options. So I've got options now. I could, uh, for instance, I only work a four-day week now. I don't come in on Wednesdays at all, which is a choice I had to make just because I've gone into the point that I believe I needed to focus on a few other things uh, that I feel strongly about, you know, giving my community, my faith and family and all of that, which I just couldn't do at the time. So I was driven by the business when I started, but these days I drive the business. If that's, uh, I think that would be a good analogy. I like that. Do you invest in mentors? If yes, why and who are those mentors for you? Can you share that? Yes, I do invest in mentors because uh, I believe there are two ways to, to grow and it's two ways to learn. You learn either from uh, mistakes or from mentors. And for me, I've learned from both. I do actively invest in, in mentors and the reason being that uh, you only grow, uh, there's no point in reinventing wheels when there are people who have gone ahead of you, they've made a mistake, you can learn from them, and uh, you can tap into uh, what they've uh, pioneered. So, some of the mentors are not even living mentors. Some of the mentors are people who have passed on and some are still living. I have people in my life that are investing, like uh, John Maxwell uh, on leadership. And there's not one mentor. I believe no one person is big enough to be a mentor in every area of life. So uh, that's why when it comes to my family or relationships, I have a separate uh, set of mentors. I look at people who excel in that area uh, in the world that I believe I could relate to. And when it comes to business, I have people that I believe, yes, I love what they've accomplished. And I love the style and the strategies and the ethics that uh, you know surround them. And I'd love to be in that space. So I invest in them. When it comes to my faith, I also have uh, separate sets of mentors. So I, to answer your question, I do invest in mentors, and some of them are living, some are gone, but uh, I have a whole lot of them depends on what it is that we're, we're looking and talking about. Fantastic. 
best two books that are must read for entrepreneurs in your experience? I might be biased here. Uh, one of which is uh, will be John C. Maxwell's Intentional Living, and uh, which is one of his newest books, and that cuts across both entrepreneurship, leadership, and I think we can get a whole lot out of that. The other one would have to be uh, a book uh, by Paul Martinelli. It's called Power Principles. Power Principles. Uh, yes, that's uh, that's one. I love other books. There's another one by which is a very popular one, Rich Dad Paul Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, that's a popular one. Uh, that's also a good one, which I read in the early days of my entrepreneurship. That really um, set me up for uh, for some uh, uh, some good insights into how. Uh, not to run a business or how to run a good business as well. So, any of those books will, will be of uh, um, uh, benefit to anyone looking to go into business. So, three books for you to go and grab and pay attention to to the learnings in there. Now, Bobby, before I ask my last question, I just wanted to acknowledge you for everything you're doing in the marketplace, all the lives that you're impacting, and uh, for pursuing your dreams. Because every time we pursue our dreams, we're helping somebody else to do the same. And uh, more specifically, for pouring out those words of wisdom to inspire the business journalist community here today on this show, I truly thank you for that. And uh, now for the last question. When uh, all is said and done, what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for? And tell us why. The legacy... Uh, it's hard to talk about legacy for someone like me because I don't think I'm there yet and I don't see myself as uh, uh, someone who has uh, who has attained that that level of uh, legacy. There's still a long way for me to go. But every day I take it and I want to be able to start the day and end of the day when I'm going to bed to say, look, I've, um, I've touched somebody in a better way. I've lived and I've made today a better day than when it was in the morning. And not so much by what I make happen for myself, but more importantly, by what I make happen for people. So I think um, if I have to capture it in one of the uh, you know uh, the sayings I've, I've, I've had in the past, it's got to do with uh, just um, making your world, not necessarily the world, making your world, a better place than you find it every single day. And I think that's that's the goal of of, of every individual, and that's my goal to say, look, I just you know come today and see how did I start it, how am I living it, is it a better place than uh, I started it? Then I give it a tip. That will be my goal, and the legacy I believe everyone can uh, can tap into as well. Awesome. Now, Boo, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you or to find you? Uh, thank you. Um, the easiest way would be on my website uh, for uh, any of my companies. Uh, for the insurance company, you could go on the www.megalines.com.au. Uh, for my coaching, you could go on John Maxwell Group, forward slash Bumiajai. You will find it there. And uh, for my, also, I'm involved in ministry as well. So for my ministry, you can go into KPN, which is kingdomplatformministries.org. Any of those websites would, um, will take you to a contact page and you can, uh, you know, uh, make contact with me there. Uh, alternatively, on any of the social media, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and uh, can be reached to any of those uh, uh, platforms. 
Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with me and Bruni today. Hope you had as much fun as I did, but more importantly, my hope is that you can get your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams. Remember to head on over to businessjournals.com for all the show notes and just type Bruni, B-U-N-M-I in the search bar and his show notes will pop up with everything that we talked about today. So that's businessgenerals.com. And to reach out to Bumi, that's megalines.com.au. Bumi, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today and for sharing your story with us. And for that, we are grateful. You are a true business general. Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.